When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. We have a good problem here at Talking Real Money. We have too many questions. So today, I'm going to do a special edition of the Talking Real Money podcast to try to work through a lot of these questions. And you can send your questions in to us at TalkingRealMoney.com, or you can call them in at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And let's just get started, shall we? Hi, Tom and Don. This is John calling back. This time I'm calling about my sister. She is 62 years old, and she works for the post office she is in the TSP there, which I don't really understand yet. I haven't looked at it too much. The only thing I know is she has roughly, I think, about one hundred and fifty dollars to $175,000 in there. And unfortunately, she unfortunately she's missed the big run-up in the stock market the last several years because all of her money is in like the safe federal, like, treasury bill fund or whatever that is. It's the, the probably the lowest earning fund that they have. She's planning on retiring in a couple of years, I think two to three years. Of course, she'll get whatever her pension is because she'll have over 20 years with the post office. But I'm wondering if I should advise her on moving some of that money into one of the more diversified plans, uh, portfolios there at the TSP what I could advise her to do. She is fairly low on her risk tolerance, but if she has not taken your risk quiz yet, um, what would you suggest? Thank you for your help. It's nice of you to give her a hand, John. We appreciate you doing that, and I know she will too. But here's the issue. You said she's conservative. One, she should take the risk quiz at TalkingRealMoney.com. But we all, and that's Part of the reason for this podcast, there's got to be a message for everybody. We all need a plan from the get-go. We can't be moving around based on things that have happened. You see, with the stock market having gone up, she regrets not being in the C fund, for example. She's probably in the G fund, is what I'm guessing. There's a happy medium, though, at the thrift, thrift savings plan, the government plan. And they're, they're very good products. They now have the L funds, which the L stands for life cycle funds. And if she can stand, remember, she's going to be moving in after prices have already gone up. Now, my guess is they'll go up again in the future, but they may go down, too. If she can stand taking additional risk based on the risk quiz, she might want to consider one of the L funds. They work a little differently than a lot of life cycle funds, a lot of target date funds in that, for example, if you use the the life cycle 2025 fund, it's about 55, 60% stocks, about 60, 40, 40% bonds. Uh, actually, it's a little higher than that. Now I'm looking at it right now. So let's see, that's 50, 60, about 70, 30. 
So it's pretty aggressive. Then there's the L Income Fund, and that's what the L2025 fund will become when it matures in 2025. And the uh, the that fund is going to be, oh gosh, um, 80% bonds and 40% or 20% stocks. So that's very conservative. That may be the right place for her, though. It gives her some exposure to the stock market. So she might want to just go in the L income fund to begin with. It's going to give her more risk than what she has right now. She will lose money at times. I guarantee that. She must be comfortable with losing money at times. That is an absolute. It will happen. But as it sits right now, she's not making much in the G fund, although it's a fine fund. And thanks so much for your question. Again, our phone number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Either type them, or like these folks did, uh, you go ahead and uh, speak them. And I like it when you speak them. They sound really good. Hey, let's go here next. Hey, guys. I really love what you preach, but I won't say that my portfolio reflects that. I have a question about my Roth IRA and 401k allocation, but first I'll give you a background on me. I am 23 years old. I make $52,000 a year, but bring in 39 after taxes. I currently have $4,000 in my Robinhood account, and I just opened a Roth IRA that I began to fund instead of the Robinhood account. So overall, in my two accounts, I have four ETFs. DGRO is at 52%, SPLG is at 14%, VT is at 28%, SCHD is at 3%, and I have 3% in cash. I uh, scored a 64 on the risk quiz, and now for the question. I plan to put in my Roth, I plan to have VT, 50% and SPLG 50% and in my 401k evenly split it up between the Fidelity Small Cap Index Fund, the Fidelity Global X US Index Fund and the bond fund they offer and then lastly the Fidelity Mid Cap Index Fund. I was just curious to what you thought about this retirement saving plan that I have set up for myself and uh, if it needs any work. Thank you. Well, I think you're making this way too complicated. You're overthinking. You really should simplify. And um, I would be very, very tempted to forget the SPLG. That's the S&P 500 product. You already have the S&P 500 in VT, plus everything else. The SCHD and the DGRO, those are like dividend funds. They're, again, blue-chip funds. you got a lot of duplication of effort in here. VT covers the, the, the planet, basically. It gives you U.S. and international. And then use something like the Vanguard Small Cap Index to fill in a little more aggressiveness. At this point, you don't need the complexity of a lot of different funds. You just want good diversification. It's within your risk tolerance. It may be a little high. You're going to want to way overemphasize VT and just have a little bit in small cap. But uh, when you have VT, you don't need to mess with the Fidelity XUS. You certainly don't need the mid cap. You could use the Fidelity small, but... Uh, don't have more than two funds right now. You don't have enough money to mess with it. I know you can have a lot, and it's just that it's going to be a lot more difficult 
to rebalance and to deal with it. So simplify now, make it more complicated possibly later, although you probably don't need to. Thanks for the call or the the question. I guess it wasn't really a call. It was a question. Thanks so much for it, though. I appreciate it. 855-935-TALK is our number. 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day. Or send your questions in like this to TalkingRealMoney.com. Hi, Tom and Don. It's Mike from Colorado calling. Hey, I don't really have a question. I just have a comment. And I just wanted to give you guys some accolades. Um, today, actually, I... I took advantage of you guys offering a, a free consultation and uh, requested a, a, a call back from uh, your vestry agent, of which Tom, Tom Cock gave me a phone call. And I got to tell you, it's, it's refreshing to just hear expertise coming from you guys without any high-pressured sales pitch. I did tell Tom I'm one of those geeks that actually enjoys doing this, but should I get hit by a bus, my wife will have your number and immediately contact you and you guys can manage it moving forward. But again, Tom talked to me for about 30, 35 minutes and it was just nice to have an extra set of eyeballs on what I'm doing and getting ready in preparation for a retirement. And um, I just wanted to say thanks. I look forward to your podcasts all the time. I think I've been listening to you since you had Paul Merriman on the show, and I don't know if I've missed one. But again, thank you very much, and I'll keep listening to you guys and following up with questions where I see fit. Have a great day. Thanks. That was that, that was nice. Thank you. Thank you for those nice comments. Uh, Tom literally gets a kick out of doing this. He really does. And that since he's run the firm that has rubbed off on the other advisors they get a kick out of doing it and we like helping people and it's turned out to be it's kind of like uh you hear the, the 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 term karma marketing if you do good you get good and we've done well we we're not going to be multi multi-millionaires certainly never going to be billionaires but we're comfortable we're making a good living and we feel good about what we do. And thank you for those kind comments. Now, let's see if we've got a question hiding here at uh, from TalkingRealMoney.com. Somebody spoke a question. Hi, my name is Karen. Um, I love your show. Um, so thank you for taking my question. I'm calling regarding uh, my portfolio, which is currently um, mainly invested in uh, VTI and VXUS. Um, however, I've been moving it toward more the ultimate buy and hold, the 10 fund strategy, and I do have some invested in small cap. Uh, when I look at that strategy, it, it looks pretty heavily um, like about 40% of the stock part of the portfolio divided between U.S. small cap blend, U.S. small cap value, international uh, blend, and then international value. Um, and I'm just wondering if you guys you know, think that, you know, 40% of the stock part of the portfolio, um, if that's too high from what I read with, you know, and have heard from other, uh, advisors is more like a 25%, um, part of the portfolio. So, um, you know, I'm still obviously investing in the large blend, the large value, international blend, emerging markets. I have some in REITs too. Um, and I have money outside of this. I am 48 years old. Um, and I would plan to, you know, probably retire uh, around 62-ish. Um, so, um, yeah, that's my thought is, is you know, what, it, what percentage do you think 
uh, is appropriate in a portfolio for someone like me. And one other really quick question is, I have um, some funds in just Advantis, AVUV. Um, I do notice that like they're not a index fund, right? So it's um, their, their, their fee um, expense ratio is a little higher than some of the Vanguard. So I'm wondering why I know you and Paul have both like mentioned that in the past, but you know, can you tell me why that he recommends that fund over say the Vanguard? Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, Karen. Uh, generally speaking, we we like we've dealt with Paul for years. We like his uh, ultimate buy and hold portfolio. It does skew a little bit more aggressive, but only because there's a ton of evidence showing that being more aggressive has over time made more money. There's no absolute in any case. Is that a great portfolio? Yeah. Is it a little more difficult to manage than? most people want yes it's harder to rebalance and it's going to be harder to do too because it requires a lot more discipline and emotional control but if you've got it the the mix is fine there's no absolute right way to build a portfolio and yes paul and we differ sometimes but we differ in very similar ways and as for the avuv the the avantis fund Avantis was spun off from dimensional funds, and dimensional funds does not do pure index funds. They don't follow a set index, but they are passively managed. In other words, they're creating a portfolio that fits a certain criteria of equities. They have guideposts. They have certain conditions that must be met. So it's a lot like an equity fund, and they're not sitting around going, we think this one will do well, we don't think this one will do well. It meets our criteria, it's in the portfolio. And so it's worth the tiny bit of extra money, we believe, because it gives you, again, some of those more aggressive factors, more of them than just an index fund will give you. So I think you're fine. Go ahead and do this because it's a template and it's a guide that keeps you on track. And that's really what you need more than anything else. You need a plan. You need a guide. You need to stay on track. You need to rebalance. Thanks so much for the question. We really appreciate it. And I'm going to try and sneak one more in just because there are so many. I'm I'm literally only up to July in the question, so I have a lot to do. Let's take this one. Hey, Don and Tom, I, uh, I know you, uh, you guys really hate whenever you type questions in, so I figured I would give you a call. Uh, I'm in my late 30s, about to turn 40 actually in a month. My wife is in her mid-30s, and I've, I've heard your advice on uh, trying to make sure that you take a look at your uh, retirement portfolio holistically, not just what's within an individual account, but what's in all of the accounts. I have a, I'm fortunate enough at my age to have a, a pension from the company I work for currently, and I'm trying to figure out, <clears throat> uh, should I consider that pension to be somewhat similar to the security that, that bonds would have for me in my portfolio? Uh, the majority of uh, the rest of my retirement accounts, spanning a couple of different accounts, have around about 10% uh, balance in bonds, but I'm wondering if that may be a little bit too much considering I, I have a pension and I'm sure you'd need more details in order to answer the question really effectively, but uh, just kind of wanted to hear your philosophy on that sort of question. Thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, everything you guys do and all the information that I've gained from your show. 
We get this question a lot about Social Security particularly. Should Social Security be considered my part of my fixed income portfolio? And there are a couple of ways of looking at it. Sure, you, you have a, a lot of certainty when you have a pension. You have a degree of certainty when you have Social Security. However, you're building a portfolio not just for the income it can provide, but to make holding that portfolio of securities more comfortable. And if you had 100% in equities, are you likely to look at that portfolio in the same way as you would? If Are you likely to look at that pension and say, oh, that's my bonds. I can stand a 50% decline because I've got bonds. That's not the way most of our brains work. We're still looking at our portfolio going, it's down 50%. I can't take it anymore. I'm getting out. That's the, the the real purpose of a bond portfolio, of a bond portion of the portfolio. It's to keep you on track, to keep you from panicking. So no, I don't think, if you're just sitting with 10% in bonds at this juncture, again, without knowing everything else, I don't think you're overweighted in bonds. And the other thing is, is you want your income should be separate in a way. That's the, the money you're going to count on in retirement to live, but you're going to need something to come in from that other portfolio. So you've got to, in some ways, keep the two separate. But I think psychologically, it's better to have some bonds in your portfolio and not consider the pension to be a bond because it's not protecting any principle. You don't physically see that principle being protected. Hope that answers your question. Thank you all for your questions. We're going to get more of them in upcoming podcasts. I'm looking, boy, I still have a bunch to do. But we got through some of them. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, tell a friend or two or ten or a thousand. Okay, if you have a thousand friends. And if you really like listening to the podcast, no matter where you listen, if you go to Apple Podcasts and just get an Apple Podcast ID, it doesn't cost anything, and you leave a review, it, one, helps us broaden our audience and two makes Tom and I feel good. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for calling. Thanks for your questions. We truly appreciate you being there. Take care. Talk real soon. I'm Don McDonald hanging out, talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?